So good to be together. Today is Sunday, November 1st, 2020. And we're on retreat with Anacortes Mindfulness community in the virtual Zoomdo. And our retreat topic is standing authentically in the truth of our human being and our awakening and doing so with conviction and compassion. Yesterday we explored nurturing, cultivating and resting in our true self, our awakened self, our awakened Buddha nature. It's not unusual to hear people say that Buddhism teaches there is no self. And I say we leave it to philosophers to argue over that. The teaching is actually non-self. And non-self teaches that there's no separate, independently existing self. Non-self teaches that we are each individual expressions of interbeing. And interbeing is Thich Nhat Hanh's word for non-self. Uh, and I love how Thai draws our attention to what is there rather than what is not there. And Thai would say that interbeing means that self is made of non-self elements. Interbeing means that Mike is made of non-Mike elements. Mike couldn't be here without a human heritage, without an animal heritage, without a Big Bang heritage. So in Zen, we study the self in order to forget the separate small self. And in forgetting the small self, we awaken to the truth of our interbeing. We, we awaken to our interconnectedness with all that is, all that ever was, and all that ever will be. You know, John mentioned paradox yesterday. Well, here's one for you. You have to have a fairly integrated sense of self in order to embrace the Dharma teaching of non-self. You have to have a fairly healthy, integrated sense of self in order to embrace the Dharma teaching of non-self, of interbeing, of no separate self. And as John helped us see yesterday, awakened, illumined mind is our true nature. And even though it is who we truly are, our true nature has to be experienced personally in order to be understood. And sadly, most human beings are out of touch with our true nature. 
John showed us yesterday how easy it is to awaken our true self. So now without moving a muscle, right where you are, except to close your eyes, touch awakened nature with me now. Allow your awakened nature, our awakened nature, And if you don't know what that means, if that doesn't make sense to you, then simply breathe in and out. And notice the space at the, the bottom of the breath and the top of the breath. Just leave a little space between in and out. That space at the bottom of the in-breath and at the top of the out-breath where there are no words, that bare awareness, that's a glimpse of our awakened nature. The fact is it's there for the whole breath, in and out, every breath. And we can cultivate it by bringing and sustaining awareness. So just rest in spacious awareness. Just breathing in and out. So sitting in mindful awareness, what is your felt sense of true self. Just notice, just look. For me, there's a sense of calm, balance, equanimity, Like naked awareness. And there's also this subtle sense of ill being buzzing at the edge of my awareness. But it, what is very clear to me is what is not there. Any sense of self at all. They're just awareness, awareness of awareness itself. You can open your eyes. You don't have to. <laughs> We've never been separate from our true self, yet we forget so readily. You know, once we touch it, we lose sight of it so easily. There's a movie I love, a film called Samadhi. And, I, and there's a quote from it I just so enjoy. It, it, it is not unusual to have profound insights into the nature of your being through meditation and inquiry only to find yourself once again 
falling back into old patterns, forgetting the truth of who you are. So today we're going to explore how our practice can bring about genuine self-transformation and put us more in touch with our awakened nature. Specifically, we're going to explore um, some of the situations in which we are thrown off balance, in which our spiritual equilibrium is thrown out of balance. We're going to do some study of the self. And to study the self is to come face to face with our suffering. This is work, sometimes hard work. And yet it's deeply rewarding work. And why is it rewarding? Because self-transformation feels good. It's fun. And it's not news to anyone here that we don't touch our, our awakened nature once and for all. All kinds of things happen to challenge our spiritual equilibrium and bump us out of mindful awareness. So let's list some of those things that challenge our spiritual equilibrium, that pull us out of mindful awareness. So listen and see if any of these things ring true for you. You know, sometimes what knocks us out of mindful awareness is just our next thought. We're sitting and breathing in and out, sitting in awareness, and the next thought comes along and bumps us right out of our mindful focus and concentration. You know, sometimes it's just the activities of our daily life. You know, just driving a car tests John's equanimity to the degree that he wrote a book about it. <laughs> the Road to Freedom. All about how we're challenged when we just get behind the wheel of a car. Our spiritual equilibrium gets rocked by experience of loss and grief. Grief loss. Just those words are loaded with anguish for some of us. The message we, messages we get about, uh, the messages we get from others about ourselves can quickly rip the rug of spiritual equanimity right out from under us. Now I'm thinking of John Circles yesterday, where he spoke of difficult others and even neutral others, and allied others. You know, even with allied others, sometimes even the positive things we hear about ourselves are just not good enough. We can, we can live our entire lives in a continual cycle of asking for positive affirmation from the world, and even getting it and then feeling like, that's not it, that's not enough. And then feeling even more out of balance, we ask for it again and again. Another thing that bumps us out of spiritual equilibrium 
is our own stories that we tell ourselves about ourselves. These stories become our beliefs about ourselves and about our relationship to the world. Things like, I'm not likable. I'm not lovable. Nobody wants to be with me anyway. Or I'm an outsider. I'm not a part of this group. You know, with 40 people here, I would, in my experience, there's at least one person who feels like they're kind of an outsider. They're not really part of this group. And I, I know that because sometimes that's been me. And finally, during my last 20 years of this work, I've come to notice that many of us seem to be living with a subconscious undercurrent of dark energy that runs us just at the edge of our awareness. Do you know what a, a watercolor wash is? A watercolor wash is just faintly observable in the background of a watercolor painting. Just a wash. And I'm speaking of a wash of unpleasant energy that sort of smears over us and operates right at the edge of our immediate awareness. So the washes I've noticed, myself and others, are a wash of anxiety, where even in perfect stillness, in perfect conditions, when things are going great, I feel anxiety buzzing at the edge of my equanimity. In other washes I've noticed, a wash of impatience, just impatience buzzing there, judgment, a wash of anger, a wash of not being good enough, a wash of inferiority, feeling not as good as, or a wash of superiority, being better than, always judging ourselves and coming out better than. Trust me, that is just as much suffering as a wash of inferiority. And every single wash seems to have its roots in fear. So this is a long list of things I've mentioned each challenges our equilibrium and tends to keep us operating and responding from our small self rather than our awakened true self. So things that throw us off balance, our next thought, things others say about us, the stories we believe about ourselves, and watercolor washes of anxiety or anger, impatience, frustration. So today, I want to bring, um, I want to introduce bringing equipoise to our spiritual well-being. It's, it's an English word we don't hear often, but I think equipoise ap aptly suits our conversation. It's E-Q-U-I-P-O-I-S-E, 
It has its roots in, in two words, equa, equal, and poise, standing solidly, yet composed and at ease. Equanimity comes to mind. Mm, I feel it. Mental calmness, composure, evenness of temper, even in difficult situations. Equipoise evokes finding balance, the right distribution of weight. And more accurately, it means to counterbalance something that is out of balance. Equipoise is actively working toward a state of equilibrium, spiritual equilibrium, and it evokes an ebb and flow, breathing in and breathing out. Now, I want to share the screen. Can everybody see that? Just, uh, thank you. So this is one of the, the charts that I was talking about that uh, um, John took our conversation and, and turned it into a visual that we can look at. So here, and we're not going to cover the whole thing at the moment, I just want you to notice here's the small self. And here's our awakened nature. Small self, defended self, and awakened nature. Equipoise evokes balance with our small self and our true self. When we experience spiritual equal, uh, disequilibrium, when we find ourselves out of balance, what do we do? So first let's explore how we respond from the small self. When our equanimity is, is challenged, we protect, we defend, we justify, we fortify. We try to think, plan, and power our way through it. We either retaliate or attack, or, or ret retreat in avoidance. So I love this visual, the ladder, freedom. We burn up all our resources trying to think our way out or strategize our way out. We think that the enemy is the cold. <laughs> we make an enemy that isn't there. Restoring equipoise is the enlightened response when we're thrown out of balance and into our small self. 
First, we recognize that our spiritual equilibrium has been challenged. Recognize. You know, Thich Nhat Hanh says, mindfulness is the energy that allows us to recognize our habit energy and prevent it from dominating us. Mindfulness is the energy that allows us to recognize our habit energy and, and prevent it from dominating us. There's two parts to that statement, recognizing and preventing. In part one is to recognize our habit energy. Now, how do we do that? To recognize our habit energy means we take ourselves in hand and we recognize, ah, there it is again. There's that habit. There's that way of thinking. You know, so give me a thumbs up if you've noticed some recurring mental habit energy popping up for you around anything having to do with the election. Any mental habit energy? <laughs> Our mental habit energy is like an addiction that we love to hate. We hate the addiction. We hate the thoughts, emotions, and physical sensations that arise in us. And yet, we step right up for the next fix. Unwholesome habit energies are like an addiction. And we just love sharing needles. Misery loves company. We recruit. So recognizing is simultaneous with stopping. When we recognize unwholesome habit energy, we stop. We catch ourselves. We breathe. We come back to our breathing. We ground. I like to say that sitting meditation is habit forming. On our cushion, we practice stopping and coming back, stopping and looking. We practice on our meditation seat in ideal, near, near perfect conditions. In order to reinforce the wholesome habit stopping and coming back so that we're more likely to do it in our daily life. John's book is about stopping and coming back in traffic. And that's why it's called practice, because we practice on our cushion for the performance <clears throat> that is our day-to-day -day life. So first we recognize that we've lost our spiritual equilibrium. It's a big step, catching ourselves. 
sit with that, recognize right now. Next, we allow things to be exactly as they are. This is some of the guidance that we gave you on Friday night. Allow things to be exactly as they are. That is hard. It's a choice. It's a deliberate choice. We have to give ourselves permission to let things be as they are. And it's just allowing what is. <clears throat> so how do we develop that muscle? What's the best place for practicing allowing things to be just as they are? And once again, it's when we're on our cushion. But we can do it anywhere, in any time. So let's practice that right now. Just... Close your eyes and allow this moment to be exactly as it is. Whatever's there, an ache, a pain, Man, I don't like this guy, I don't like this Dharma talk. <laughs> I love this Dharma talk. Whatever's there. I'm so happy I'm on retreat. Just allow whatever's there. Allowing is not acquiescence. Acquiescence is reluctant acceptance. And that's not what I'm talking about. Just allowing. I've, I've had a hard time this past four years. I know many of us have. You know, and this administration gonna do what this administration gonna do. In four years of, in, in four years, has one moment of wishing it were different changed anything? That doesn't mean that we don't do something about it. When allowing something that makes us suffer, that has suffering in it. Actually, that's the next practice. Next, next we get curious about painful thoughts and sensations. You know, we, we notice our aversion. We notice our habitual compulsive thinking. And we turn toward unpleasant thoughts and sensations, not away from them. You know, we can't talk ourselves out of obsessive thinking or the unpleasant sensations we feel. That's in our head. So we have to drop out of our head and into our body. We find the place in the body where the painful and obsessive thoughts manifest. 
One of my teachers taught me that every thought in my head has a place in my body. I thought that couldn't possibly be true. And with practice, I saw that it was absolutely true. So we be with the physical sensations and we name them. Don't close your eyes and practice with me. Here's how we get curious about painful sensations. I'm looking at the time and we'll see how many unpleasant sensations we can take. So allow fear. Connect with fear. So this is fear. This is what fear feels like. For me, there's a pounding heart, constriction in my throat. an overwhelming sense of dread. It's overtaking and overpowering me. What does fear feel like for you? Just be there right now. Touch it and name it. Another thing, fear makes me feel jittery. Let's move to anxiety. So this is what anxiety feels like. Anxiety. Ah. Nervous. Mm. And sweaty palms. Panic. Obsessive worry. The impulse to just get up and move, just do something. How about anger? This is what anger feels like. Touch anger. Heat. An almost unbearable pressure, either pushing out or crushing in on me. A fire raging in my mind. Fire ranging in my heart, fire in my belly, and with anchor, my mind my mind is clouded, it, it, and it feels like it might feel good to unleash the anger, release it. Those are just some examples. So we allow. We be with, we explore our painful sensations. And we become the energy of mindfulness with a laser focus on those bodily sensations. And I can assure you from my own experience 
that concentrating the energy of, on mindfulness, of mindfulness on painful thoughts, emotions, sensations, will over time disable and disempower them. But it doesn't happen overnight. And that's why it's crucial to develop the habit of being curious about painful emotions and sensations. And in the meantime, remember Thich Nhat Hanh's quote, mindfulness is the energy that allows us to recognize our habit energy and prevent it from dominating us. So here's part two, the preventing our habit energy from dominating us. You know, in bringing all this focused attention, we could easily get caught by our painful thoughts, feelings, and emotions. We, we could wallow in them, get stuck in them. And that's not at all what I'm advocating here. I, I love how Zen teacher Charlotte Joko Beck cuts through this to skillful action. So again, we take ourselves in hand because this is not a pity party. And Charlotte Joko Beck says, just pull the plug, pull the plug. We pull the plug out of the energy that we're allowing to fuel our delusion of being separated from our true self. Our delusion of being angry, being disappointment, being disillusionment. It's, it's a delusion. Pulling the plug is pulling the plug on delusion in a separate self. And we open immediately into the truth of our being, our awakened nature. Here's another way to look at that slide. Uh, you know, we take ourselves in hand. We pull the plug. You know, you can see the plug is pulling the plug out of the, the electric plug out of the wall. Our, I see it actually as pulling the plug out of our being stuck in, in difficult thoughts and painful thoughts and painful sensations. We just pull the plug out here and here and are absorbed into our awakened nature. Mike, yeah. can, I, can I invite you to reshare your screen? You shared your entire desktop rather than the side you wanted to show us. Oh. So it's hard to see what you're wanting us to see. Uh, sorry. Thank you. <laughs> sorry about that. So I was talking about pulling the plug, pulling the plug here. Our painful thoughts and painful sensations and then trusting emergence. You know, when we do that, when we rest in our awakened self, always insight and wisdom arises. And sometimes the, the insight is not knowing. Sometimes the skillful action reveals itself as the clear path forward. You know, sometimes it's not doing anything, just being. 
and our awakened nature includes our, our small self, nothing excluded. You know, this is, this is how we stand authentically and apologetically ourselves. It's how we can be in the world with our hearts undisturbed by the world. So we've covered a lot of things these last couple of days. So just take away what speaks to you. Maybe awaken nature, true self. Maybe, maybe resting in that is what you can hold and explore right now. And maybe you understand what it means to find yourself caught in your small constricted self then practice recognizing that you're out of balance, out of equipoise. And if you can just digest a little more, practicing allowing things to be exactly as they are. And if painful thoughts and sensations rule you, and practice getting curious about what's happening in the mind and body. Be curious about unpleasant feelings and pull the plug. And when we pull the plug, <clears throat> we open into our awakened nature that was there all along. We trust the emergence of insight, which is always followed by compassion. So we have to repeat these steps every time something knocks us out of balance for as long as we take breath. You know, we don't just finally arrive and not have to do this anymore. This is human being. We might as well get good at it. And so over, over time we do this process and, and it becomes shorthand. So, you know, uh, for me it's like, oh, the, oh, there's anxiety again, or there's obsessive thinking again. Um, and I just pull the plug out. I don't go through the other other steps. Because frankly, I'm sick and tired of the shenanigans of my small self. <laughs> so I go straight to pull the plug. Our struggles along the way help to shape us for our purpose. You know, John talked yesterday about Thich Nhat Hanh finding his, his true home in all of the difficulty and suffering he faced. No, body and mind body and mind is how our awakened nature is expressed while we're in this incarnation. There's no path to standing in our authentic awakened self. Authentic awakened true self is the path. Our Buddha nature is the past. And touch it with me again. And it's not some pipe dream, some unattainable or, or fanciful hope or plan for the future. Our true nature is always here, available right now. It's as close as this next breath.
even closer. Some bells, John. <laughs> 